I had my children on the floor. I was on my favorite blanket that my grandmother gave me on the floor like a cat. And I realized in that moment the potential of what our bodies can really do as women. Like I could feel his head, I could do my own internal, like yeah, his head, I could feel it. I was in tears, I was just in tears and overwhelmed with gratitude. Hi and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast, the podcast that is bringing embodied birth wisdom from women from all over the world sharing their natural birth stories. Don't forget to subscribe and download so that you can always have access to these empowering and positive natural birth stories. Hi, my name is Anna, also known as the Spiritual Midwife, and I am the Natural Birth Podcast host. I'm a midwife and a childbirth educator, and I work with women worldwide, assisting them in having an empowering and natural birth experience, and to truly claim their birth as a rite of passage. I offer online one-on-one sessions, packages and online courses for the conscious mamas who don't want to leave their birth up to chance. If you want to know more about me and what I do in the world, then please visit me at thenaturalbirthcourse.com or connect with me on Instagram as the underscore spiritual underscore midwife. Now, if you love this podcast, then please consider taking a moment right now and leave a review. They mean the world to me and is also your way of helping me reach more women around the world with these natural and empowering birth stories. Together, we are changing the birth narrative one birth story at a time. Today on the Natural Birth Podcast, we have Yet. Yet is a mama of two from the Netherlands, and she is a holistic sleep coach for young children and a childbirth educator. In today's episode, we will hear about her two births, starting with the pearls of wisdom she gained from her first birth that didn't go to plan and was a transfer to hospital with some medicalization of her birth process. In the years that followed, she did a lot of personal inner work and research, becoming this holistic sleep coach and childbirth educator. So when she conceived her daughter, she was more than ready after all the healing inner work and research she had done and had her empowering, redemptive home birth that we will dive deeper into today. Curious about yet? Find her on Instagram as Yet Dingemans. Yet also just joined my maiden mother and Maka village this week, which I'm so excited about. I can't wait to get to know her even deeper. This is my online, uncensored, natural and sacred sisterhood community. And right now, you can join the village for free for this month to try it out and have a feel. Get access to our library of resources and amazing shares from birth nerds and birth workers, maidens, mothers and magas, and join our monthly sharing circle this week. Our monthly village sharing circle and mama's Q&A is on this Wednesday, the 7th of June. 
It's a beautiful circle where you'll be guided in meditation by me becoming deeply attuned with what is present for you right now, body, mind and soul, heart and womb. It's a place to feel seen and connected to like-minded, natural and conscious women from all over the world. The sisterhood and friendships formed in this community is like something else. And I'm so proud of this village and the women within it. Last week, Elena, who's a podcast listener, hi Elena, wrote in her intro post in the village saying, Hi everyone, I have just joined this community after a month of listening to Anna's podcast. The more I was listening, the more I felt like I was missing out on something, and here I am. And yes, she's right. You are missing out on something. If you love this podcast, then you will love the beautiful sisterhood inside my village where I hang out and engage on a daily basis with my village sisters. So if you want to come and hang out with me and share some sacred space, then grab this opportunity of a 30-day free trial in the village. Nothing to lose and all to gain. Hope to see you at our monthly circle on Wednesday. Find the link to the free month in the show notes among the rest of my resources. Hi, Yet, and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast. How are you today? Thank you so much, Anna. I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to sharing my story. I'm very excited to have you on sharing your birth stories mm. all the way from the Netherlands. And, yes. um, you know, we've had a few women from the Netherlands on, and every time their birth stories are so rich. And I feel like you still have a culture in your country of home birth and um, a high percentage of natural birth, which is very rare in our over-medicalized modern society. Mm. I know, however, how also in the Netherlands it is moving towards medicalization and, you know, us in the rest of the world. But still, you know, it's quite a unique country. So I always do love hearing stories from from your country. So with no further ado, I'd love for you to kind of take us back to falling pregnant the first time. You've had two babas. The first mm. one did end up being a bit of a medicalized situation in the hospital. But let's dive on in to kind of summarize that birth and the gems, the pearls of wisdoms, how that informed you for your next. Um, because yeah. of course, you know, it lives with us, the births we have before and it informs mm. the next. So absolutely take us back. Yeah, well, the first, uh, I had a boy, a baby boy, and I could, I was in so, I could feel him so good during my pregnancy. So I kind of felt what he needed before uh, giving birth to him. And I preferred to give birth at home. But my husband was a little bit afraid of that. So he was quite hesitant. Um, I hear a lot of partners say that he was afraid of the mess it would give. <laughs> Like the blood on the walls. Uh, right. It's a quite like a, a good indication. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not really Thinking what about, it's like, but yeah. No, that's the picture that people have of birth, yeah. right? It's what you see in movies and in the media. Yes. So we decided to go for a birth center. Like this, it felt like the middle between going for a home birth and going to the hospital. Mm. 
Uh, and we would have our independent midwife with us because they come with you to the home birth or uh, to the birth center or even to the hospital. If you do a, a hospital birth, you take your midwife with you until it gets medical. So we started in the in the birth center and it was very peaceful. They had this beautiful bath. It was like a hotel room. Mm. Um, but I was in birth for, I think, almost 12 hours already before we went to the birth center. So it took quite a while to get the birth started. And then we went to the birth center and our midwife came and it didn't didn't go very fast the birth even though we were very relaxed looking back on it now I think I didn't feel very safe there I didn't feel very at home there there was an air conditioner blowing cold wind Mm. and in my laborland brain I couldn't uh, formulate the words to ask uh, please turn the air conditioner uh, down I'm cold (laughs) So all those things, I think, accumulated and made it not go very fast. And my baby was uh, facing posterior. I think that's what you call it in English, right? So that always um, can take a bit longer as well. But I didn't know that right then. And when my midwife, she ruptured the uh, membranes, knowing now I I know that it's not the best way to proceed with a baby that's not facing right because... Mm -hmm. They, uh, they will have less space to maneuver and get comfortable and get in the right position uh, to yeah. be born. Yeah. But I didn't know all those things. Yeah. Even though I did a hypnobirthing course and I did a um, pregnancy yoga where you would get information, but still I feel I wasn't really prepared for everything and I didn't know all those things. And I just um, trusted the midwife, of course. Yeah, that's the thing with many people don't realize that breaking waters is an intervention, right? And yes. it's an intervention that can really alter the way that your labor will progress. Yeah. And, and as you say, as you break the waters, there's less room for that baby to move. It kind of that really, especially if that's all it needs to like, you know, for the head to really then drop and descend deeper into the birth canal, then it really is mm-hmm. much harder for that baby to navigate a different position it yeah it's you know in that way and sometimes mm-hmm. the head can tilt a little bit and be acanthitic and you know these are the things that you shouldn't have to know but yeah <laughs> and you know and that's the thing like birth is there's so much to know and you cannot as a first-time mom be expected mm-hmm. or any mom to like if you don't do a midwifery degree and then work for several years and see yeah. hundreds and thousands of births like yes then you can you know, start to have an idea, but like, it's just so much to mm. learn. And um, that is when I guess really trusting the, the care provider that you have becomes, mm. you know, your ultimate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, but we'll come to that later. But I think there's like a level of preparation that you can do mm. to like know the most common interventions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. These are the pros and the cons, and then you can make an informed decision. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But and for anyone listening yeah. now, there's a free ebook that you can download with all of them, the, all the routine Perfect. Uh, yeah. procedures in the hospital, the pros, the cons, and the alternatives. So head on over there if you yeah. want to learn more. <laughs> but you know, at the end of the day, that's only a really small 
pace. Yes, right? it's absolutely. Such a huge... Yeah, absolutely. So I think at around five o'clock in the night, the start of my birth was already 24 hours ago, of the birth of my son, of course, not my own yes. birth. Yeah. <laughs> I've started feeling the urge to push, but only at the top of the surge, at the peak of the surge. And my midwife, she checked my dilation. Oh, yes. Yep. Yeah. And she said, oh, you're 10 centimeters. So uh, come on, we're going to push uh, the baby out. Uh, and I tried to start pushing. I was in the bathtub, but I I felt like I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Knowing now, if you don't know what to do when to when you're pushing, then you're not quite there yet. I think that's it. Yeah. But she said, "Well, we have to push," and they really actively coached me to push the baby out. And I think we were doing that for about an hour, and I felt like nothing happened. So I got out of the bathtub and tried to do it on the bed and then she felt like a little rich coming when I had a surge she felt inside that something was blocking the entrance actually and she tried to push it down I don't know if there's a word for it but on every um, surge she pushed it down so his head would be able to come over it but so it, it sounds didn't like she was pushing on your cervix, like pushing the cervix yes. away. Yeah. Yes. So that yeah. tells me that you're not fully dilated. It tells me that the baby's not as far, yes. as far down as it should be for you to actually do that. So, yeah. you know, in that circumstance, I think it would have been better for you to be upright and follow your body in the positions that would have brought the baby down. I completely agree with you. Looking back on it now, I know that's, that's what I would have needed. But I think my body responded in the best way possible and it stopped the surges. So my body stopped doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Because your body went like, hey, hey, what are you doing? This is scary. This this doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel right. I'm scared. And that's what the body does. It can just shut everything down. It's amazing. Clever she is. I know. But unfortunately, I think looking back on it now again, uh, I would have just taken a pause and then regroup and do whatever uh, was necessary to f- get in the flow again. They kind of felt a bit in a hurry, I think. And they said, we have to take you to the hospital and get you on an oxytocin um, IV. And then we'll get the searches going again and uh, you can birth your baby. And when we get there, we got there, the uh, clinical midwife, she was kind of mad at my own uh, midwife for uh, allowing me to push while not fully dilated. And they uh, hooked me on the IV. Uh, and I think about, um, yeah, at five o'clock, I birthed my baby. So at three o'clock, I was fully dilated and I really felt the urge to push then. and I couldn't hold it in. So I knew this is it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a long labor. It was a long process getting there almost all day having the surges with the oxytocin with which are i think a bit harder to work with than the natural surges oh yes absolutely it's night and day Mm. yeah yeah it's different but we worked through it and then still the birth itself was quite hard and it took almost two hours again but i'm very glad that they gave me the opportunity to go through it all all day and do it again, actually, push again, because I know that a lot of people in the same circumstances end up having a cesarean. 
because the uh, the baby doesn't last or the the mom is too tired. Mm. So I'm actually quite thankful that I was able to birth my baby uh, vaginally. Yeah, mm. and he was born, and they had to do uh, an episiotomy, so mm. they uh, had to cut, but. I was very, still, it felt very empowering, even though it wasn't the birth that I hoped for and it wasn't a birth that I prepared for. I felt so powerful, lasting all the time. And uh, there wasn't one moment that I felt like uh, I couldn't do it anymore or I needed, uh, I needed uh, medication. So they were quite surprised, actually. And I think that the hypnobirthing and being in touch with my body and breathing through it really helps. Mm. So even though it wasn't a perfect birth, I I didn't feel like a negative, it didn't feel like a negative birth experience. Yeah, no. And and that's the thing. Just because it becomes medicalized doesn't mean that it's a negative birth experience. You can have a no. really empowering experience having, you know, um, induction or an epidural mm. or cesarean when you yeah. feel like you're in control of it and you're being honored and you're being a, mm. you know very much a part of the decision making and it's a woman-centered care you know all these factors and also your own obviously your attitude your own experience like how you view it and go into it that's you know what makes something a positive or a negative experience yeah. right your own experience yeah. of it and so I was just you know thinking about yes you know obviously that was a long birth mm. but, but also some women will go for days right yes and some will have a really short labor and birth and again there's nothing like negative or positive or better or worse mm. really with the length again it's the experience of it and how you move through it and how you are with it your own experience of it mm. and trusting that the length that you have is what you, you or your baby needs for some reason as well right? i actually felt like mm. Uh, if I could do it again, I would have stayed home longer mm -hmm. and just would have given him, given him the time that he needed. He still, as a boy, needs a, a bit more time than other children to to do things or to go somewhere else. And I think that's just what he needed in this in his birth as well. And it wasn't the time. You are so right. It was. Mm -hmm. I was tired, of course, after mm -hmm. uh, after the birth, and it took a long time, but looking back on it i wish i would have given him more time yeah uh, and i really want yeah. women to hear that who's listening because obviously especially if you're with a midwife following kind of the protocols of what usually hospitals and the most of the world does which is not evidence-based which is you're supposed mm -hmm. to open like one or a half centimeter an hour depends yeah. on where you are which country and you know it's starting to loosen up a little bit in some places but other are very rigid there's no evidence around that. And you no. can, there's no time limit for how long you can be in labor or time limit on how long you can push for. What matters is holistically, how are you and your baby coping mm. with that? That's all that matters. Yeah. You know, it's nothing that says, oh, after two hours of pushing, you know, now it's a cesarean or now we have to intervene. No, mm. if the mother is doing well, if the baby's coping well, you know, you can listen to yeah. the heart rate and go like, is the baby going good? Yeah, okay. You know, you can go for as long as it needs to. And especially yeah. with a posterior baby, it will take usually, not all the time, some posterior babies, they move through the birth canal perfectly because that's just how the that woman's designed. Again, we're so different, right? 
most posterior babies, especially first time mamas, posterior babies will take a bit longer time, Yeah, you know, to get into the right position if they can move. And if not to birth in the posterior position, right. Which is facing stargazing, right. So yes, facing yes. Up. so um, I think it's just important for everyone to hear that, like, forget about time. Yeah. It's so important. And choose a midwife where you can talk about this and go, how do you view time, like timeline? Am I supposed to push out a baby in a certain time? Will mm. you transfer me if I'm at home in a birth center if I don't? Or will you, you know, pressure me to do other things or intervene? And, and choose wisely on, on that point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of the lessons that I took away from that birth. Mm. And something that I took into account in this birth as well, which was one of the... Uh, one of the reasons that I switched midwives halfway through the pregnancy. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, but I, I think that. I'm not sure if you want to go there already. Yes, I do. I want to know, you know, so again, I love that you did experience that birth still as like, you know, empowering. And mm. it sounds like it because it sounds like you were working with the midwives in that hospital and you were making the decisions of what you wanted as well throughout. Yeah. Um, so coming out of that birth and how long time until you felt pregnant again, and how was that journey of deciding to fall pregnant again, educating yeah. yourself, obviously on, yeah. And having maybe a different kind of birth this time. Well, we took a while to decide to have a second baby or try to have a second baby, try to conceive again. Most important factor in that decision was that the first one was quite a bad sleeper <laughs> so we started off with a couple of very intense months um, which was the reason that I uh, took a course or actually I studied for a year to become a holistic sleep coach uh, to help my own babies and then when we uh, had the courage to start again it took a little bit longer to get pregnant we had some or I had some health difficulties was during the COVID pandemic and I um, I think we started trying in August about a little little over two years after my son was born and I had a, a, a COVID booster in November and then my menstruation stopped uh, altogether and we had to work with that and see what was happening and if we could get everything going again. Then they found, I think it's called PCOS. And they would give me a medication to induce an ovulation. But when I was driving home with the medication, medication in hand, my doctor called me after a COVID infection that my thyroid wasn't working well. And we didn't know what caused it. We were already in March, by the way. <laughs> so it was a couple of months later. And he said, you have to stop trying to conceive immediately until we know what's going on with your thyroid. And I didn't take any of the ovulation induction medication, of course. Yeah. And I started on medication for my thyroid. And at the same time, I went through a deep process in myself because I felt like this is not just happening to me by accident. I felt like there was something to learn here. And uh, what do I have to do to um, make room in my life and in my body for to conceive my baby, but also to get healthy again? 
apart from the medication, I started to look at what I was eating, but also what are the things in my life that are healthy and what do I have to say goodbye to, which was quite a hard process, but also very, I was really sick because of the thyroid. And that made me, that gave me the possibility to pause my life and evaluate everything. And it was, I am so thankful for that right now afterwards. Uh, so I knew I had to say goodbye to my job. After one month, my thyroid was okay again as well. And the same week I gave notice, I was pregnant as well. So it oh, really wow. feels like. Did you fall pregnant without any medication? Yes. You just clear whatever was going on yeah. and healed your thyroid. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. And they said to me that it wouldn't be able to. Well, it would be very hard to get pregnant without the medication. But because of the thyroid, I couldn't uh, take the medication. And then after a while, they said, well, you, you cannot go through the process of medication to induce ovulation. But if nature wants it, mm -hmm. then you don't have to uh, uh, protect yourself to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. So I think... I. It was just one cycle and I was pregnant. So it wasn't hard at all afterwards, after I did the whole process in myself. Well, this is, you know, really important for everyone to hear about your thyroid is so important for that mm -hmm. to function well. And women can have thyroid, you know, it's overactive or underactive and you know, it affects the whole system, your whole body system, and, and it affects your fertility and as well as, you know, your progesterone, your estrogen levels. Yes. And, you know, we're such a delicate hormonal system as women. And, mm. you know, proper sleep, healthy food, you know, good habits, exercise, all of this really matters. Yeah. Um, you know, how we live our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And before that, before I got sick, I was doing a lot of internal work because I wanted to prepare myself and my womb for my daughter, um, which I already felt like would be a would be a girl. I felt like she had been with me for quite some time, actually. Mm. That's why I I never panicked or I never doubted the fact that I would become pregnant because I felt her with me and I knew she will come when the when the time is there and when she is ready to come and I have to do my part of the job to conceive her. And uh, that's what happens with a little bit of uh, <laughs> help from my body. My body is always very good at telling me when to pause. Yeah. Beautiful. So you felt pregnant and then what? Did you know then and there that it would be a home birth this time or what yes. was your... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Before, I think when my son uh, slept, was sleeping so bad, and I took up the studies to become a holistic sleep coach, I always knew it. It's not for me. It's not just about the sleep. It's not just about getting babies to sleep, but giving them a good start and giving parents a good start and giving them a soft landing. And I knew there are sleep coaches that work with quite rigid methods of sleep training and I knew that wouldn't be the way that I wanted to work so apart from the uh, sleep coaching I got interested in birth psychology and doing my own internal work so those were factors that I 
that I take into account as well and that are very important, I think, to do when you're pregnant and especially preparing for your birth. But I so think this is really, yeah, good information because, you know, so in the spiritual midwife mentorship program right mm. now, you know, we're in the beginning and, and a lot of the work we're doing to become a great space holder for birth is also looking at your own birth imprints, yes. your maternal lineage, how that is, has informed you, what are you carrying with you, mm. you know, so that the ones I now mentor can step into the birth realm, not bringing their fears or their subconscious things or their lineage stuff right mm. but it also yes. is something that i encourage women that i work with who are pregnant or about to birth right to also consider you know mm. what how did your mom birth how did your grandmother birth how much do you know about your lineage birthing history how was your birth what's the imprint that your birth mm. carried with you and i know that you did some of that work yes. do you want to share that with us yes yes yeah, I um, my mom is a therapist. She had to uh, write down about the birds that she had with her children. So I actually, I was very lucky to have all the information about what my birth was like. And she birthed me at home and it was a very powerful birth. I actually pooped in the... <laughs> during birth. And normally you would have to go to a hospital, but her midwife said, if you can have the baby within, I think, half an hour, then uh, we'll just stay at home and it's okay. And then she she said she made a deal with me and she said, hey, baby girl, we're going to do this. You're going to get, you're going to be born at home. And we did it. And it was a very powerful birth. So I read about it and I felt like that's the way a birth can be. And that's how my mom did it. And if she can do it, I can do it. And I really felt that power in me as well so apart from just reading about it and knowing the story of my birth i also did a rebirthing where you use your breath to like go through the experience again mm. uh, so that was very enlightening as well and it made me feel like for me in birth there should be a focus on the experience of the baby as well because now I think it's the, a lot of the focus is going to the moms and for the baby, it will give an imprint that will stay with them for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. So feeling that, not only knowing about it, but feeling it as well, uh, gave me so much in preparation for my own birth and as a professional, of course. So tell us about the journey then of discovering your imprint and how that informed you into having the birth you had well my my own imprints are yeah i think i am so lucky because for me i didn't feel like there were other traumas than the trauma of birth itself which is always a big transition for kids i think for babies or for us as humans and I think it's a trauma that we need mm. um, but it's all always um, quite stressful it should be so for me I didn't have really have traumas that I needed to work through to let let them go before I gave birth to my daughter but I did do some womb healings and just wanted to clear my energy and especially allowing myself to be heard. And I think that's a thyroid issue as well. 
expressing yourself and being fully yourself. I don't know how deep you want to go in that, but looking back at the video of my first birth, I heard the midwife, which was very sweet. And I know she had the right intention, but I heard her tell me to not make any noise, to not make any sound. And I think it's very representative for, um, I'm getting a bit emotional, but yes. like in life for taking up space and letting your voice be heard. Yes. So that was, that was one of the main things that I worked on. Mm. Um, I'm not sure that it's a birth imprint, but it's absolutely, it's, I think, something like that a, a lot yeah. of women struggle with. 100%. It's a collective yeah. feminine blockage, our throat chakra, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. You know, if we look at the feminine chakras, we have the third eye, you know, the seat of our intuition, which has been throughout the ages, you know, with this, the last thousands of years ridiculed or said to mm. not be true or exist, you know, um, our throat chakra that, you know, is a masculine chakra, but that is very blocked for most women yeah. in our in our world today um it's no wonder there's thyroid issues but also mm. speaking your truth daring to be seen voicing you know expressing who you yeah. are um standing in your power this is something that yes. we're now reclaiming and and reconnecting with but sound is so powerful and in birth so vital yes yeah so vital you know? yeah and that process in the during my pregnancy and in preparation of the preparing for for the birth of my daughter i thought i have to do this differently mm. and you can see it also in the communication you have with your care providers during birth like deciding will i do what is expected of me what are the protocols or will i speak up and stand up for myself and my baby if i feel like that is not the way that i should go mm-hmm. So it is something that is so useful uh, to do before you get pregnant, to find your voice and to, to know, to really feel what you want and to speak up and stand up for that. Do you want a natural birth, Mama? then a natural birth course might be for you. Do you see birth as a rite of passage and an important and transformational event that you'd like to feel fully empowered in meeting? Are you, like many other women, realizing that it is time to take back your power as a birthing woman in the birth space and birth your baby your way? Would you like to feel calm and confident as you birth your baby with all the tools you need in order to meet the labor sensations naturally and be ready body, mind and soul? Do you deeply down know that your body was made to birth your baby and that you have all the inherent power and inner wisdom to do so? Are you looking for holistic midwifery wisdom and guidance to assist you and give you all the evidence-based information you need in order to feel fully sovereign in your decision-making around your pregnancy and upcoming birth? Then the Natural Birth Course is for you. Find out more at thenaturalbirthcourse.com.
So this time around, did you find a midwife that resonated with you? Well, at first we started with a midwife that was just close, uh, close to our home. <laughs> and it was a practice with, a, with a, I think, about six midwives. Mm-hmm. And they were all very sweet. I knew as a birth educator, because I prepare parents for their birth as well. So I knew what the topics were that you want to discuss to just feel like what is their view on birth and Mm. does that resonate with me? And uh, during my pregnancy, I had discussed some of the topics and more and more I felt like we do not share the same view, even though I think one of the breaking points for me was the birth of the placenta and I had asked them will you give prevent do you take preventive measures like do you give a shot of oxytocin after birth and they said no we'll give you time uh, to do it but when I gave them some follow-up questions I felt like "Hmm, this is not really what I feel like is time because after 15 minutes they would give the first shot and after 30 minutes they would call an ambulance <gasps> to take you to the hospital whoa that's yeah. not giving time so what i was so glad that i that i asked them that i uh, asked them the follow-up questions to see is it really true what you're saying or are you well maybe we have different viewpoints let's call it and for me I think I was a little bit hesitant to immediately search for another midwife because I think it's so important, especially with the midwives that are following protocol, to have the discussions and to ask them questions, why do you do it? And to have them help women in labor and see that the other things are possible as well and it, it can go uh, another direction as well so mm. I thought will I stay with this midwife and stand my ground and do it my way and maybe give them another perspective or will I transfer midwives and just know that there is someone with me that shares the same perspective on birth and after 30 weeks I thought I can only do this one time for my daughter. And even though I really feel I want to be part of a transition in the birth world, uh, I do not want to do that at her cost. Yes. Very good. Very good. Yeah. So I started looking for a more holistic approach. And I found a a midwife that was a small practice with just three midwives and they were all very sweet and they wanted to make an exception for me because I was a little bit farther away. Uh, But they wanted to help me and I could come there, I think, around 30 weeks I transferred. Uh, And it felt immediately good. We talked about birth and how they viewed it. And especially because I'm a birth educator as well, we just resonated and it's not even like uh, that we talked about my uh, birth wishes but our views in general and you you just feel like you connect and I knew it was good so I was very happy I transferred (laughs) I love that so do you want to take us into the birth story now do you have any Did you have any early signs of labor approaching for you? No, not at all. 
beforehand I thought if my I know time is not a is not even a concept for a baby there is no there is no time for a baby so if I will go past 42 weeks even I will just let my baby guide me and uh, I will wait patiently but after the 40 weeks I noticed that I did get a bit of bit impatience and I didn't get any signs that the birth was approaching I knew I didn't I really wanted to birth at home so I didn't want an induction and approaching the 41 weeks uh, it's protocol to talk about induction you get invited to a hospital uh, you'll get the option to uh, sweep the membranes but I so wanted this to go naturally like even sweeping the membranes for me it's it's an intervention and it's not the baby deciding when it's time so even though I did get a bit impatient I told my midwife to hold off the hospital appointment for me it wasn't the time uh, to do that I wanted to wait a little bit longer (laughs) so I know everything that your care provider um suggest or advises it's always an offer and you can always say no so for me at when i even though i felt impatience i thought no it's it's still a no for me and my midwives they respected that a lot they didn't push at all to do uh, to do anything and then i was i think 41 plus two days uh, and I decided to get in touch with my feelings and see if there is anything that I can still do that I have to clear to make this birth happen. Because there are a lot of things that you cannot influence, but your own mindset you can definitely influence. And I felt that there still was a little bit of fear um, that when she was born, that something would be wrong with her or that she would be... Uh, she wouldn't be breathing or in the worst case scenario that she would be dead. So I felt like, okay, I think I'm still holding on, holding her in safe in my body uh, because of that fear maybe. And I decided to write her a letter. So I wrote my baby a letter and then I did um, uh, a shamanic journey with myself um, to explore that fear and see if I could release it. And I did it on Saturday afternoon. And coming out of that journey, I immediately felt there was a shift. And I felt so, so much trust. And we watched a movie in the in the in the nights. It was a comedy and I had a lot of belly laughs. <laughs> it was very funny. And I felt like she's coming. It's not taking a lot of time now. Mm. And I was right. So uh it's Midnight, 50 minutes after midnight, I felt the first contraction. I felt the first sur- first surge and I knew, okay, this this could be like a Braxton Hicks, but that's what my rational mind was thinking. But in my heart, I knew it had started. Tell us, did it continue along? Was it regular from the beginning or was it spaced out? Did you be, Were you able to sleep? Well, I was laying in bed and I thought, Knowing that the first birth took a lit- took quite a lot of time, I'm going to try to get some sleep. But I was too excited. So I knew sleep was off the table quite soon. <laughs> and my contractions were, I think, between five minutes and 
eight minutes apart most of the time, but they weren't that strong. And sometimes it would be 10 minutes. So they weren't very regular, but there, it was not like 20 minutes uh, apart. And I sneaked out of bed. I thought I'd let my husband sleep uh, for a little bit more <laughs> to uh, have him uh, fully powered. <laughs> and I went downstairs and I lighted the candles and I I already knew that I wanted to have a, a bird space that I like um, decorated almost like you set up for a party. So I made affirmation flags and I, I would hang them and I lighted the candles and I, I turned up the heater a little bit more and thought I'd make some snacks. <laughs> so I did all that during the first few first couple of hours. And then at five o'clock, I wake woke up my husband and we set up the bathtub. At that time, I was already a couple of hours along and the... the Contractions were coming quite regularly, but then he came down and I felt, I noticed I got out of my bubble and we had to do some practical stuff like setting up the bathtub. And when we practiced that, because we thought we have to practice it, like the big moments, we don't have, don't want to be struggling with the manual. I did the, uh, the filling of the tub then with the hose on the shower. And my husband was struggling with it in the heat of the moment. And I noticed that it like very much affected me. And uh, the contractions stopped coming for a little while. And I felt emotion building up in, in, in me. And at one point, I just started crying so hard. Uh, because I just wanted to be taken care of and be mm -hmm. surrounded by love and softness. And that just wasn't the case at that moment. And I also know that it's like your neocortex is shutting down. Your rational brain is shutting down and you get in your limbic system where your emotions are. So there is just no filter. And my emotions were completely naked. Um, so it's like there were two parts of me and one part of me knew that that was happening. And it was like, oh, wow. Uh, I really see that my limbic system is working here. My, I am a mammal at this at this point. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, I was just so sad, and I the emotions would come up, and I got scared as well because I feel felt the contractions like slowing down, and they weren't that intense. And of course, in the first birth, my contractions stopped altogether, and I had to transfer to the hospital, and I was so scared that that would happen again and I had all these thoughts that I would be up would have been up all night and then my labor would stop and it was all for nothing and you we we didn't have another um uh protection in the bathtub and we had only a liner and we only had one and if it stopped right now then we would have used the liner and stupid thoughts like that <laughs> were going through my head and then I knew okay knowing all the processes that are in working in your brain and your body and knowing all the hormones uh, I know I have to get back in the flow and uh, get the oxytocin flowing again so I cuddled with my husband and then I went back to bed and just pulled the cover over my head and felt make like a little safe hole uh, a nest for myself, a bird nest. 
And I stayed in there until I heard my son wake up. And so it was seven o'clock, I think, at the time. And then my son woke up and I went down with him. And he was just so sweet. Um, he was looking forward to the birth of his sister for a long time. And he was very excited and loving. And my, my contractions started, were starting again. And I could just release all the fear and all the, all the anxiety. And I knew there is no one looking at the clock at this time. We didn't, we didn't call anyone yet. And it was just us. And it's okay if the process slows down. And I know about the rest and be thankful. And I know that if you have to do stuff, your body will slow down because it's designed to do that. So you can, you can do whatever you have to do before. Yeah. It's like, we're not that different from the giraffe on the savannah. <laughs> when a lion comes, <laughs> yeah. they have to stop giving birth and just get yourself to safety. And then the process will start up again. And those so, early, you know, that early labor time is the time to prepare, make a nest, mm, do all these things. And that is when you can go in and out and where you can, yeah, it's irregular, right? Um, and that's when you put everything in place so that when everything is in place, you can then move into the next phase, right? Where you can yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I felt that so deep and so strong with the help of my baby boy. So that was beautiful. And uh, that I could really get back into the flow. And I felt like, okay, I can release this and everything is all right. And maybe I should just be thankful for having a little bit of a pause before we get to the real work, actually, because I know it's going to get intense after this. It was actually beautiful to experience this. And also I realized this is the birth of my son working through this birth because the experience I had with his birth will come up during your second birth. So that fear, well, it was likely to come up and I can release it now and maybe even heal, heal what happened there yeah. and enjoy this birth and fully be, well, ready for the, for the second birth. Yeah. So when my parents took my boy, they live five minutes away from us. So I knew he was close, but he didn't want to be, uh, he didn't want to attend the birth. We talked about it and we watched some birth videos, which he really liked. And then I asked him, do you want to be present with the birth of your sister? But he, he didn't want it. And I wanted to respect that. So yeah. they, uh, they took him. And when he was gone, like in half an hour, as we were, full speed ahead and I could feel everything go coming back and going going harder even so we called the doula I wanted to have a doula with me this time and we called the midwife the doula was there at 9 30 and the midwife was there at 10 30 and by that time I was in the bath I transferred to the bath and I just it was, we were in this bubble and I went all the way in myself with my husband. He had his hands on my belly and his, he was so present. His full attention was with me and the baby and I could feel the warmth and the love from his hands. Mm. So 
really doing this together. And that was such a beautiful process. I really enjoyed that, actually, even though the searches were getting very intense and I had, I needed all my focus and my breathing to work with them. But we really did it together and I felt so loved and supported. It was really beautiful. Mm. Um, so my midwife was there when I was in, in the bathtub and I lost all track of time by then. <laughs> So I was just feeling all the feelings that were coming through and the power of birth. And at 11.15, I know from the from the report she wrote, uh, I had the, the urge to push. And I it was so interesting because I felt all the stages I was going through. I recognized it because there was some point I thought, I cannot do it anymore. I don't know if this gets more intense. I don't know what to do. And I knew, okay, if I'm there and I think I cannot do it anymore, I'm almost there. We are so close. So I just have to keep breathing and it will be all right. Mm. I had a, I felt a lot of trust. And on the first search where I pushed, the waters broke and there was poop in the water as well. <laughs> But no one panicked because I was already pushing and it was fresh. So we all knew, well, we don't have to transfer to the hospital. Mm. And I just, I was so in touch with my body and I followed what was happening. Um, the midwife, when she entered, she said, you are doing great. And she didn't say anything until after the birth. So I was completely working with my body and my baby guiding well being guided by my body actually i didn't have to do i didn't have to think and i i could feel her head moving down mm. it was it was very beautiful to be aware of the way that she was maneuvering through my body mm -hmm. and i felt her hairs appearing <laughs> and her little head and uh, by the time that she was crowning, I knew I wanted to slow things down a little bit. And I started trying to move the energy up as well, using my voice and my breath to slow down for a minute. And then her head was born and her body slipped out right after. And she was born and I could, well, my, my midwife was like a meter away. So I could take her from the water myself and unravel the umbilical cord because it was around her arm. She mm -hmm. actually had her had her hand with her face. <laughs> oh, a compound presentation. So that yes. was, did you yeah. feel that when she was birthing that it was yeah. a lot to birth? Yeah. And I felt um I had a little tear and I could feel the when it teared. It was okay. It was uh it didn't stop the birth or it didn't scare me. It was just, I knew she would come and okay, we'll, we'll see uh, <laughs> what's down under afterwards. It's okay. But yeah. I could feel it. Yeah. You could feel it. Yeah. And, you know, for anyone listening, just, you know, imagining the head obviously is the biggest part coming out. But if you also have a hand next to the mm -hmm. face, it will be the hand also. So it's even more than just the head. And, you know, yeah, not always will you tear with that, but, you know, you might have a little tear and then, Again, when you have a natural tear, it heals beautifully together. Mm. 
you know, the fibers come together. Your vagina is amazing at healing. Um, and I'm curious though, did you tear at the same place where you had an episiotomy the first time? Do you know? No, no, okay. no. Because the, I think the hand was more on the, uh, more towards the clitoris, I think. Oh, so yeah. just underneath, I had a little tear. And it was it wasn't even like a tear, I think, but uh, the skin just oh, a graze. Uh, okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't that. Yeah. No. No. Okay. And it was so beautiful to take her from the water. Mm. But my fear actually was a little bit true because when I when we took her from the water, she needed some time to realized she was born i think so for a minute she didn't breathe or cry and she was a little bit floppy but i still i don't know if it was because of the of the journey i did the day before but i still felt so much trust and i just gently rubbed her back and i rubbed her belly and her hands and her feet and her nose and i told her that she was born and that she could she was safe and we were with her and then after a minute she started crying and breathing and everything was fine so i think in another situation maybe if if it was a would have been a hip a hospital birth they might have taken her away and cut the umbilical cords and just try to uh, give her oxygen and i i knew that because she was still connected to the umbilical cord she would still get oxygen rich blood and i didn't have to panic if she took a bit longer to land <laughs> that's it and you know for anyone listening to yeah especially in hospital they can be very quick to act yeah um, but a baby can take some time you know mm -hmm. and that she should really get the full minute minimum yeah. to do so you know to come to and yeah for some babies it takes that time yeah it's perfectly fine and if you feel the umbilical cord that can be a great thing if you know someone here is going to have mm. you know, just listening is going to have a baby soon and that happens just reach down and feel the umbilical cord if it's pulsating your baby yeah. is getting oxygen and everything just like in the mm. womb in the womb they don't breathe so if they come out and still have the pulsation it's the same as in the womb yeah right yeah and exactly what you did like massaging speaking to your baby blowing in their face yeah. kissing them stimulating yeah. them to come into their bodies that is the way to go you know yeah the yeah first point of call for sure yeah. yeah i was so happy to be able to give her that soft landing and that that loving start um and that she didn't have to be taken away from me especially because we wanted to leave the umbilical cord intact mm. i think we stayed in the bathtub for about 15 minutes or 20 minutes And then we transferred to the couch and my doula, who's a lactation consultant as well, she guided us to have the full breast crawl. Mm. It's such a magical feeling. <laughs> and it's, well, I think bird is such an intricate, intricate system and everything works together and Yeah. Having a breast coral and feeling the little, the tiny feet massage your uterus, which helps a placenta to, uh, to be born as well. And, uh, being able to get all the time that we needed for her to latch and to have a little bit of milk and energy. Um, it actually took some time to birth a placenta because after the breast crawl, I think we were already an hour after birth. 
and nothing was happening with the with the placenta but there was no one that felt a rush to do it because the whole process had been so um so supple i don't think i don't know if you can say that in english but it went everything went so good and i wasn't bleeding so there was no fear of a fluxus and everyone felt like we have some time hmm. and then I think after one and a half hours, I squatted on the couch and I birthed the placenta and it was, it was completely fine. There were no, uh, <laughs> there was no trouble. And I was very glad that I transferred, transferred midwives because I knew with the other midwives, I would have been in the hospital and I would have had another, another experience of the golden hour. That's it. Yeah. This you know, speaks volumes to, you know, carefully select your birth provider, right? Yeah. So yeah. important to interview and, and know that you are seeing, mm -hmm. you know, these things the same. Yeah. Yeah. How important. Yeah. Wow. So what a beautiful home birth. And I love how you took us through how you were, you know, having that big cry and the release and how important that is, you know, how important mm -hmm. it is to do that internal checking in work all the time, both in pregnancy yeah. preparing, but also throughout the labor process. You know, if things slow down, tuning inside you, looking inside you, what is going on? Is it emotional? Is mm. it, you know, spiritual? Is it physical? You know, how is my yeah. baby lying? You know, really being one with your body and your baby and trusting that. And it sounds yeah. like you're very much embodied all of that. Yes. Yeah, I felt it like that. I'm very thankful that that was possible. It was everything that I hoped for. And I, I couldn't dream that it all worked out, actually. So if you had a first time mama in front of you right now is about to have her first baby and she really wants to have a natural and empowering birth experience, what advice and pearls of wisdom would you give to her? Yes, I would advise to really prepare yourself and not only prepare yourself with the knowledge. I think the knowledge is very, very important. Like we talked about knowing some of the interventions, what are the pros and cons. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to uh think about that you don't have to go into your rational brain during your labor but not only the not only the knowledge but also knowing yourself and getting in touch with your body in whatever way maybe yoga or whatever works for you it's like the like the giraffe i was talking about we have these we don't we're not on the savannah but we do have lions and that can, that lions can be external or internal. And I think it's very important to know what are your lions. Um, so what do you need to do to feel safe? Whether that's uh, the people you surround yourself with or the, um, uh, the place where you birth or your inner demons like traumas you have or things that you know that can come up. Uh, during birth every all your experiences can come up so if you have if you experience things deal with them before you uh, before you give birth I think that's that's so important to do and the preparation is like some people you hear them say I'll just go with the flow and you have no control whatsoever so why would I prepare it's no use but it's like uh, going for a day in the woods and taking your umbrella because if it starts raining then you'll stay dry you, you don't control the weather but you'll have your umbrella or you can take your rain jacket you have options and you can do what works for you but 
think about what you would prefer to do. And I think in that preparation, it saves you from a lot of trouble during your labor and it will help you not get out of your bubble. And if you get out of your bubble, you know what to do to get back to the flow. That's it. I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jet, for sharing your birthing wisdom with us. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you, Anna. It's been an honor. Thank you for listening. If you love this podcast, then please consider sharing it. Leave a review or make a contribution on our Patreon page. And if you want to connect on social media, then find the podcast on Instagram as The Natural Birth Podcast. Thank you for listening.